Moncrief on News Talk. Now, as you've been hearing, Shane McGowan uh, has died aged 65. Someone who crossed paths with him many times is our own Tom Dunn. Afternoon, Tom. Sean, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, I'm going to start with a controversial uh, sentence. I don't really yes. like Fairy Tale of New York. And given that that's, uh, for many people, that's the only song they know of Shane McGowan's, kind of does him a disservice. I'll have to wash your mouth out with soap for you now, Sean. Okay. That's the only possible response to that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's been overexposed or stuff like that. Um, I like it. I, I do really do like it. I think it's, I think it's remarkable, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I like a lot of other songs as well. Para Brown Eyes and Rainy Night in Soho are two of the greatest songs of all time. He, yeah. he really was a genius songwriter. And I think I was listening back to the stuff and I loved what the, the Pogues were full of energy and that kind of trad, really high energy, trad Irish punk rock almost. And it's brilliant. It's really wildly exciting. But when it goes on to songs like A Pair of Brown Eyes or A Rain Night in Soho, it, it, they're startlingly good. You just kind of, you, you can't believe he wrote them. They're just so well observed and so beautiful. And the thing, I think the acid test, they sound like they've always been around. You just can't imagine a world where those songs weren't already in it. Mm. So that that was a real gift. And it was something that nobody else could do, particularly nobody in the band or around the band. So yeah. Yeah, he was, no, he was obviously, yeah, the, he, 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 was, he, he was a great lyricist. No, but I yeah. suppose what I meant was that, like, at the time that came out, it was like, if yeah. you were to describe it on paper to someone, they, you'd go, that's a mad idea, that'll never work. But it did, <laughs> in, in that they, he, they did seem to recognise that there, something that was uh, central to Irish music was also in punk, and they combined the energies of those two things. For, yeah, for years he used to say he couldn't believe nobody else spotted that and that nobody else was doing it. And it does seem like, even on of itself, an act of genius, because uh, traditional Irish music has that punk energy. You know, mm. it, it really does. If you're early Bothy band stuff, they're, God, they could be a punk rock band. They're so powerful. So to take that and give it the punk rock kind of instrumentation, the bass and drums and stuff, Seems really simple, but all the greatest ideas. Why didn't we have it, Sean? Yes, why didn't we indeed. think of it? Indeed. And, you know? and like anyone who's ever been to a Pogues gig, the, the, the energy was off the charts and it was almost slightly a bit dangerous as well. Or they, it felt a were, bit dangerous. Yeah, they were absolutely remarkable. They used to particularly play at Christmas time. Now, Fairy Tale wasn't huge then. You know, it's funny, it's become this biggest song, but at the time, you were kind of thinking it's another one of their songs, it's very good. You weren't really seeing it for what it's become since then. So mm. when they would do gigs in Dublin at Christmas, then the, the, God, they say, when does the Christmas start? You know, is it the toy show? Is it the pantomimes? It used to be when the Pogues played. It was like, <laughs> like it was, you were definitely in Christmas after that. You were hungover and, and wrecked. And it was definitely Christmas time. And the walls would be running with, with perspiration. The energy was off the clock. Amazing. amazing. Yeah. And they were, they were like bandits. They were, we used to bump into them backstage sometimes at gigs in England. I think we did a festival together. And when they arrived, you could sense this kind of frisson of excitement going around, like the Pogues have arrived. And it felt like bandits had arrived backstage. It was just everything went to a different level. Mm. There was a wild excitement surrounding them. And he was there in the middle of it like this, the, the, the band leader, you know, the, the Wild West gunslinger type figure in the middle of it all. Yeah. Shane. Was it all of them? Did they all kind of have that vibe to them or was it particularly Shane? I think they all did have that vibe to them. Yes, I think there's no, he was several leagues ahead of them in many ways, uh, but they dressed similarly. They kind of styled themselves 
in the look of a 1920s flying column. They went for that yeah. look very early on and it kind of, it seemed to transfer into their lifestyles as well. You kind of, you sensed from them they were here for a good time, not a long time. And uh, and you and you were happy to go along with that uh, when you met them. Um, I can't, I, I know he's died today in a very sad, but I have to say, I'm just thinking back in those times and they were such happy times. They brought a party to gigs like there hadn't been before. Their gigs were just wild, out of control and amazing crack, amazing mm. crack. So, yeah. and in the middle of it, you had those absolutely stunning songs. Uh, that's one-off stuff, it really is. Yeah. Were they, I mean, backstage, were they, were, did they tend to be friendly? Were they aloof? Were the other bands a bit nervous uh, no. around them? You, you were nervous around them. I don't know why that was. Um, I think you felt if you fell into company with them, you mightn't survive it. Uh, (laughs) It was a next level kind of thing. You know, if you were thinking, I'll hang on here till one o'clock or two o'clock, they weren't thinking that. They weren't thinking like that. They were thinking there are no plans for tomorrow. Um, So it was kind of, did you want to go along with that? Only you could answer that question. Um, So yeah, there was that about them. It was just, they they were from another Another level to the rest of us. That's just there the way no it was. There was no concept of bedtime. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. whatsoever. And there was a hotel in in Dublin, which was the Rock and Roll Hotel. And if you did end up back with them, then yeah, you needed to cancel a few weeks. Really, after yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. That's even around the office. There's been a few stories being told today. You know. <laughs> flights being cancelled and yes. uh, things of that nature. Uh, the, yeah. the, uh, did, uh, did you uh, did you ever interview him? Because he, yes. he wasn't yes. that easy, you know. Very, to, very difficult. Yeah. Very, very difficult. I was doing, um, I was on the Ian Dempsey breakfast show at the time and uh, I heard Shane is coming in and I was thinking, he can't be coming in at a breakfast show. That's never going to work. Yeah. So I arrived about 6am. You know, the building is like a morgue at, at that hour of the morning, you know, and he's there. He's already there. <laughs> so I walk in and there's Shane in the green room and I go, Shane, how are you? You know, and I'm saying to him, you know, you're not on till half eight because, you know, the breakfast shows, the guests are a bit later. So he said, yeah, it's fine, fine. So he's just sitting there on the couch. Seems to be as happy as Larry. And it was the days when you were allowed to smoke. So he just spent the time smoking, really. And um, and then he came on and and... He was fine. He, he was he was as sharp as a as a tack. You could see that in his eye, uh, and you could see too. He was very wary of journalists, and if you thought you were a journalist, that would be trouble for you. Mm. So you you needed to establish quickly that you know you and I are men of music, Shane, and um, and then he was fine. Uh, now on top of that, he was hard to understand. That was just he'd laugh little bits, and, and yeah. it was hard to make out a lot of the words. But you knew he was he was razor sharp. You knew that. And um, and and he was great. He was he was very likable, very funny, very very nice to be around a lot of the time. Um, complicated, you can't say he wasn't a complicated man. Mm. Um, loads of you know contradictions kind of around him. He was really born in England, um, and he did he did go to a fee paying school, and he'd go to Westminster. He got a, a, a scholarship to Westminster, which is a really posh school in London. That's produced three prime ministers. Angelina Bonham Carter. Wow. So you have all these things that don't make sense about him. Um, but then you have this, cr- and, and then the myth as well. He, he was a great believer in, in his own myth. He would, he would say things and you wouldn't really know if they were true because mm. he, he claims that at the age of six, he was standing on tables 
in that the commons that the the um, cottage down in Tipperary, the family cottage belonged to his mum. He'd be standing on the table singing rebel songs, drinking Guinness. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, was that true? I'm not really sure. You know, and, and that was, I yeah, think he enjoyed I, that. I think he did enjoy because I think he'd read people. He'd kind of look at you and go. I, yes. I, I'm just going to play with you a bit because I know yeah. your perception of me. So he'd either play yeah. up to it or, or kind of uh, yeah. uh, dial it down a little. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And that's why when you're interviewing him, you kind of felt this is like, it's like, you know, fencing or something. You, you, yeah. Like, <laughs> one slip here and I could be dead. So. <laughs> I, uh, I interviewed him once now. It was, it was a charity single for some friend of his. I can't remember who it was from. So he kind of had to do it and it was relatively well behaved. But obviously we were worried, yeah. you know, what, condition he might be in when he turned up and I was on yeah. air when he turned up and, and I messaged the producer saying you know is Shane there and she says yeah and I says you know what kind of condition is he in and she says we don't know he's asleep on the couch <laughs> <laughs> yes he spent a fair bit of the time in the green room asleep on the couch as well <laughs> and you just accepted this. That you was just, just went, accepted went that. Territory. Yeah. Went with the territory. Yeah. And um, yeah, an awful cliche, but one of a kind. And we'll never see 100%. Them again. 100%. Uh, and I, I listened to those songs and I just wonder where they came from and how he was able to do that. Did you know that he he, wrote, he won prizes for an essay he wrote when he was nine and his teacher kept the essay? He, it was such a brilliant essay at nine that his teacher thought, this guy is going to be famous. <laughs> ah. One day, one day people will come to me and I'll show them the essay. And it was correct. So he had that real literary tradition in him from a very early age. His dad, that's Morris, his dad. Um, that's where that comes from. And uh, he, he just, he consumed books and he consumed literature and he consumed Irish history. Um, but he managed to consume it and then produce something that was really remarkable from it. Yeah. Which is the real gift that, like, you know, n- n- nobody else I knew was able to do. That was the one off thing for him. Tom, Incredible. thanks a million uh, as ever. Uh, Tom Don there, uh, our own Tom Don, and of course, Tom Don of uh, Something Happens. Uh, Dave Offley says, I also hate Fairy Tale of New York, but I love everything else he did. A genius we might never see the likes of again. Uh, KP says, stating the obvious, but Shane McGowan was a genius. I think his most amazing song is The Old Main Drag. Uh, there's a life story in it, poignant, tragic and real. The lyrics cut you. And a fair few people actually saying that uh, their favourite song. Uh, and, you know, how poignant is this, the Jewish that he did with uh, Sinead O'Connor, uh, Haunted. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.